to this month's Tenable Research Podcast. My name is Dan Raywood. I'm Product Marketing Manager here at Tenable. And I'd like to bring you this podcast where this month we're looking at recent blogs from our security response team. Uh, in a moment, we'll be joined by the researchers from the security response team, Claire Tills and Satnandarang. We'll be discussing some of the findings from the last month, including one instance of a, a vendor's uh, patching rate being incredibly impressive being timed. And also, of course, there was the Patch Tuesday for October. Uh, so without further ado, let's move on and talk to Claire and Satnam. And joining us now from Tenable Security Response Team are Claire Tills and Satnam Narang. Welcome, Claire and Satnam, to this month's podcast. Um, it's been another month with... I guess, you know, we're going to talk a bit more about some of the blogs that you've been doing. And, yeah, it's obviously representative of the, of the, the vulnerabilities that are being discovered. And I guess we'll, we'll get on to sort of, you know, uh, later in the podcast, we'll talk about like the Pats Tuesday updates. But we'll kick off, first of all, with Satnam. We're going to talk about no, it's CVO, CVE, excuse me, 2021-22005. And this is a critical file upload vulnerability in the VMware vCenter server. Um, this was a patch uh, release from VMware, probably not that rare, um, addressing 19 vulnerabilities. But do we see regular patch releases from VMware, Satnam? I mean, was this... Was this out of the blue? Was this part of a regular patch update? Yeah, so Dan, I mean, VMware regularly does release patches, though they're not in a cadence like Microsoft or Oracle, where you can expect Microsoft to release patches every Tuesday, second Tuesday of the month or Oracle every quarter. So they do push out patches pretty consistently, and I think it's most likely aligned with vulnerability disclosure policies by the researchers who work with VMware to address their findings, or in the case of zero days being exploited in the wild, which we've also seen in the past from VMware. In those instances, VMware may sometimes just provide an initial advisory with some bare bones information as they're working to gather more information and develop a patch for it. So it we do expect patches from VMware. It's just, you know, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates, right? Well, you said it her first, and here it was said first about VMware's patching. Um, in particular, though, among, among those 19 vulnerabilities that it covered, one of the patches was rated as critical. Um, now, this is actually does the second critical fix within the last four months for the vCenter and vSphere solutions. Can you talk us through what this vulnerability was about and um, what was the issue with it? Yeah, so, I mean... There were 19 vulnerabilities patched during this specific advisory that they put out. 18 of the vulnerabilities were split evenly between important and uh, moderate severities. So we had nine and nine. And then there was this one critical vulnerability, which was CVE 2021-22005. And this is, as you mentioned from the get-go, a file upload vulnerability in vCenter server. So what adds to its criticality is that an attacker that's capable of accessing the SSL port on a vulnerable host now, this can be either from the same network or via the internet if it's publicly exposed and open. They could exploit the host by uploading a file through the vCenter server analytics service. Now, what makes it most critical is the fact that it exists in vCenter server irrespective of the configuration settings on the host. So that makes it exploitable by default. Now, that's obviously a major concern because when you have all these vCenter instances out there, they become vulnerable by default. Well, that, that, that's a very good, very good point, because 
<laughs> vulnerable by default is not a term anyone wants to use about anything particularly because uh yeah we've talked about secure by default or, or whatever in the past but vulnerable by default that that suggests to me that this was inherently quite a bad vulnerability i say it was rated critical which yeah, some people have different interpretations of what's critical, but that sounds kind of pretty super critical. Is that would that be fair to say? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you have default configuration vulnerable, that makes it a lot more likely that attackers may be able to exploit it depending on where they're coming from, if they're able to access it externally via the internet, or if they're on your network, and they're able to access it from the network, that's just bad news all around. I mean, if it's a situation where you have a vulnerability that's exploitable, only if you configure a certain setting in a way that's not def default, that limits the potential exposure. So having it vulnerable by default makes it that much more worse. Yeah, absolutely. And one comment from the blog, which is uh, available in the show notes and obviously available via tenable.com slash blog, um, was that the critical patch was looks even worse than the last critical vulnerability. I think this was a quote from uh, an external source. Um, this, the previous, um, or just run me through, was the previous vulnerability used in ransomware attacks or was that this one? I presume it was the previous one had been leveraged in ransomware attacks. Is that correct? Yeah, so the quote that you're citing is from a researcher by the name of Alan Liska. Uh, yeah, he basically pointed it out, and it's been well documented that ransomware groups have in the past leveraged vCenter server vulnerabilities. The one that they are, uh, Alan is referring to here is uh, CV 2021-21985. So the fact that there's another flaw that can be exploited either from the internet or while on the same network makes this an attractive vulnerab vulnerability for ransomware groups to take advantage of if they want to encrypt these systems. Wow, okay. Um, and this one apparently looks even worse. So, and that was pretty bad. Well, I anticipate we'll maybe see more talk about this vulnerability in the future if another critical vulnerability is addressed by, by VMware. It's uh, always a possibility considering we've looked at the last one with this one and uh, into the future we'll see if we can, where things move. Um, let's move on to another blog then. This one um, was around a path traversal zero day in the Apache HTTP server. Um, that was quite a hard one to say and it was even a harder one to read. Um, Claire, you, you covered this one then. So the uh, this was a patch from the HTTP server project from Apache for a vulnerability in the Apache HTTP server. What's the story here, first of all? So this is actually a pretty interesting one because um, this was a vulnerability in Apache HTTP server version 2.4.49, which was only released on September 15th, 2021. So just about a month ago. And the patch for the vulnerability in this was released on October 5th. That is really rapid turnaround. And a researcher named, um, sorry, uh, Ash Dalton with cPanel Security, they discovered the vulnerability a couple weeks after the newer version of um, HTTP server came out. And they reached out to Apache HTTP server project and said, hey, you have this flaw. And then within a couple of days, they had the vulnerability patched, which is something we want to commend is that responsiveness to the researcher community, that collaboration between researchers and vendors getting these things fixed. There was an 
error or a gap perhaps left in the initial patch. So they released version 2.4.50 initially to address the vulnerability, but discovered a patch bypass. And so they finally released 2.4.51 on October 7th. Um, I know that is a very long-winded way of saying that in the span of about three weeks, they went from introducing the flaw in the uh, product to patching it twice. And that's really impressive um, to see. But the vulnerability CVE 2021-41773 is a path traversal and um, file disclosure vulnerability in the HTTP server, which is an open source web server. And it's one of the most widely used web servers, which is what kind of got our attention in the first place. Yeah, I, I well, we'll come back to the vulnerability, but I, I agree with you on the, on the dates. That's what really caught my eye about this, I think was uh, September 15th. And then, you know, talking about October 7th, I mean, I'll do the math in my head, but I think that's around about 22 days or something like that. Um, you know, bear in mind, sometimes we talk about vulnerabilities which are available, you know, could be exploited for maybe months. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to patching. But you know, from the vendor side, th this is really quite incredible turnaround. And it... I guess it shows that they were listening to those uh, those disclosures uh, from you know the, the researchers who came to them saying you've got this, and they quickly put the blog, put the new version out. It's really quite exemplary. I don't know if we see that very often, but um, just just one question on that, Claire. So, was this vulnerability only really uh, apparent to those who had updated to two point four point four nine? It only existed in version 2.4.49. So in the uh, disclosure in the security advisory from the Apache HTTP server project, they know, they kind of give a decent explanation, not a lot of details, but they explain that they introduced the vulnerability on accident um, when they were implementing some path normalization in this version. So anyone who hadn't updated to 2.4.49 definitely wouldn't have seen it because it didn't exist until that point. Um, and then the researcher, Ash Dalton, did notice the vulnerability when they were examining the new version and reached out to the open source project to get it fixed. Great, great. Okay. Well, just a bit more specifically on the vulnerability for, for myself and anybody else listening, what is a path traversal vulnerability? So a path traversal vulnerability is a flaw that would allow an attacker to access files and directories outside of the root folder. So normally a path goes to one specific destination, but with this vulnerability, they would be able to kind of jump off of that designated path and get into information that they shouldn't have. And so for something like this, um, they could access sensitive information that could facilitate future attacks. So things like configuration information or credential information, um, things that they can then use to further exploit the target environment. Right. Okay. Well, I guess you've probably kind of answered my next question, which was going to be, what would be the impact of this, uh, of this, if anyone were to have been exploited? And apparently this was exploited in the wild as a zero day. I guess it happened pretty damn fast because it wasn't around for very long, like you said. Right. Um, what could have been the impact? Was it a you know, loss of sensitive data or anything worse? Yeah, so this could be um, a very critical jumping off point for an attacker um, because they're able to gather that sensitive information to then potentially facilitate those future, future attacks. So like I mentioned, the configuration information, they can 
access files that they shouldn't. And that is never a good thing. Um, and so one thing that I did want to note with this is something that Sitna mentioned earlier is the default configuration and how that can impact the potential issues of a vulnerability. So this vulnerability actually is not caused by the default configuration. Um, with this vulnerability, you have to have updated to version 2.4.49 and also disabled the, um, sorry, I'm trying to find the specific term for the configuration because it's required all denied um, access control configuration. So you would have had to break from the default configuration in order to be vulnerable from this. Um, and so that's kind of a nice foil to what Sitnam was talking about before of, you know, a vulnerability in the default configuration is really serious. However, it, this kind of tempered the vulnerability a little bit, you know, it's in one very specific version and it's in a non-default configuration. However, because of the scope of use for Apache HTTP server, that kind of supersedes the non-default configurations like, okay, but everybody uses this. So please make sure you're still patching up to at least 2.4.51. Right. And if anyone is listening and you haven't done that, then uh, highly recommend you do because we're pushing about a month uh, as we record since this was uh, initially announced uh, and this about this particular vulnerability. So um, yes, do so. And then take, this was a, a really, really interesting one to, to cover and uh, you know to, to read your, your work on this and highly recommend it. If you haven't read this, then do check that out again on tenable.com slash blog. It was, uh, that, that those dates were really quite, uh, quite something. Um, the last blog we're going to cover for this month then is, um, well, it's about Patch Tuesday and um, anyone who's a regular listener will know we've been covering light patches in 2021 quite frequently. Um, so Sam, I'm going to come back in with you because i do feel like a little bit like a broken record but can we do talk about these light patches um because october patch tuesday for microsoft was only 74 vulnerabilities and uh i could go back and listen to our other episodes and sort of ask the same questions again but it, it's what, what did you make of this re release bundle 74 vulnerabilities and at least three of those were critical yeah, so Dan, when I went back, I looked at the last six months, Microsoft has actually patched less than 60 CVs four times. In July, they actually patched 116 CVs, which is you know one of the more prominent number of CVs patched this year. So when you look at it in that context, 74 CVs actually does stand out. Um, this month actually had a mix of everything. You had exchange server vulnerabilities, you had a zero day elevation of privilege vulnerability that was exploited in the wild. And we had the return of a print spooler spoofing vulnerability, which evokes nightmares of print nightmare. And I'm sure Claire would love to kind of talk through that because she uh, did a nice blog post that we will link in the show notes to about a wrap up of all the nightmare that was print nightmare over the last few months. So, yeah, I mean, even though it was still less than 100 CVs patched compared to the last six months, it was still pretty prominent. Yes, absolutely, Claire. I mean, it, uh, Prince Spooler back again with a vengeance, just as we uh, sort of round up towards the end of the year. It's, um, I don't want to say this has been a theme, but it, it's it's not going away. And I think like we've talked in the past, it's like, you know, it just takes one piece of research into one technology to find vulnerabilities for more research to be done into that same thing and find more vulnerabilities. Do you, do you think that was the case here? Well, it was discovered by the same 
researchers from Sangfor who presented their work um, on Print Spooler and Print Nightmare at Black Hat USA back in August. So absolutely, yes, the prior Print Spooler vulnerabilities directly led to this one because it's the same folks. It's um, it's something we see pretty common. You know, we we talk we've talked a lot about uh, Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities, and a whole host of them were discovered by the same researcher, Orange Sai, this year. Um, Orange was not credited with the ones this month, but you know, you start to see these habits with researchers, these, the, you know, common elements of like, oh, this researcher has been spending all of 2021 looking into this thing. I wonder what we'll see next from them. Um, and that was absolutely the case with Prince Buhler. Um, It's, you know, just a handful of folks who have been really examining that protocol and, and reporting vulnerabilities to Microsoft. Sure, sure. Well, just certainly back to you. I mean, just say your list October's uh, perhaps juicy. We'll get I presume one in December, I guess that's how it works. And um, they'll, we'll expect one in November. I mean, do, do you, it's hard to kind of say, you know, that we expect it to definitely be higher or lower. Do, do you see things changing um, as we head towards the end of the year? Or do you think things will remain sort of much the same with these sort of under 100 patches uh, per month? Yeah, so I mean, Dan, anything is possible. But Looking back at history, it would suggest otherwise. Uh, typically, over the last several years, December is usually the lowest number of CVs that get patched uh, in Patch Tuesday releases. I'm not sure if it's just because it's the holiday or what specifically makes December one of the lower months in Patch Tuesday history, but we can probably reliably expect December to be a quiet month similar to the previous months that were pretty quiet could be even more quiet could be you know 30 cvs now everyone who's listening please go knock on wood to make sure that that actually happens and we have not just (laughs) cursed our holiday season with a 130 cve patch tuesday 120 cves 130 cves (laughs) cvss 10s exploited in the wild it's going to be the whole shebang we just it's the halloween curse we're putting on this one <laughs> well i'm just having a quick look at the calendar and let's presume that december patch tuesday will be the 14th or actually it probably will be the 14th mm-hmm. uh so that's about 10 days out from uh well you know from that weekend the sort of christmas weekend so yeah i, I completely agree let's uh let's just wait to see what microsoft do because they uh, they might be listening they might they may not but i guess it all depends on what what needs to be fixed i suppose it, it's hard to kind of say what's uh what what's to be done um let's just finish off then so i'm just with one looking at one of the blogs uh, sorry one of the uh, the patches in particular uh we'll look at cvo cve 2021 26427 um this had a cvssv3 score of 9.0 this was the highest uh, of all the patches this month um your blog claimed the vulnerability would only be exploitable from an adjacent network what was the story around this particular vulnerability yeah so this vulnerability the fact that they talk about it being exploitable from an adjacent network indicates that the vulnerability has some limitations for exploitation so in this case an attacker couldn't exploit the flaw directly over the internet which is obviously the gold standard they would need to be on the same network that's either physically or logically, for instance. And as Microsoft says in their advisory, these types of limitations are most commonly used in man in the middle types of attacks. So you actually get into the network first and then you launch a man in the middle type of attack. Now, because it's exchange server, it's very easy to point to this and you know be concerned about it. 
if you're a listener and you're concerned about exchange server vulnerabilities, you should be more concerned about, as Claire mentioned, the vulnerabilities that were disclosed by Orange Sci. Uh, these include proxy logon back in March, and then proxy shell, which we're still seeing in the wild exploitation of months after patches have been available. So the fact that they're still in the wild exploitation for proxy logon and proxy shell, proxy shell being a series of vulnerabilities, proxy logon referring to one specific vulnerability, but there being several vulnerabilities that were patched in the month of March in and out of band patch. We have blog posts for all these, which I think we can link to in the show notes to help our readers and listeners, uh, you know, get that information. But yeah, so even though this is definitely worthwhile, you should still apply patches. Don't just, you know, rest on your laurels because you think, okay, adjacent, it's not going to affect me. Still important to apply these patches. And also just because it's best for your, you know, I think from a perspective of keeping it a regular patching cadence, you shouldn't just skip a month. You should be patching whenever patches do become available. And it's convenient. If it's convenient, it's important to do it, but don't let things lie. Because as I mentioned, these other two sets of vulnerabilities are still being exploited in the wild. Yeah, we'll... um... Add show notes to the um, links to the show notes, I should say, for the uh, both the, the proxy logon vulnerabilities that Satna mentioned, also for the uh, the principles which came out in June and July. So, thanks very much for, for listening today. Uh, yeah, big thanks to, to Claire and Satna. Thank you very much for joining us and running us through. Well, yeah, it feels quiet, but realistically, yeah, these are all very serious issues. So, don't ignore them because even though the, the vendor in one case was absolutely brilliant, um, yeah, the, these things are remain very 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 important so claire satnam thank you very much for your time thanks dan again big thanks to both claire and satnam for their time today and of course uh for your time listening to us too um if you want other podcasts uh from us then do look back at our archive we've talked to uh claire and satnam several times uh, over the last few months when it comes to these kind of uh, vulnerabilities and also there's other uh, podcasts around um the return to conferences around some recent work uh, working from home research as well so do go back and check out those episodes if you didn't get a chance to listen to them when they first came out um also, as we kind of go towards the end of the year, we're going to keep doing a couple of episodes a month. So do please subscribe and uh, you won't miss an episode from us. So uh, again, thanks very much for joining us. If you want more information, do visit tenable.com slash research uh, for full details or for the blogs, it's tenable.com slash blog. And uh, you can follow me if you so desire. I'm on Twitter at Dan Raywood and I'm also on LinkedIn. So feel free to get in touch. And um, that's that for this month. Big thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time.